19 missed calls, numerous unanswered texts. One message read, quote, please reply now, I need your help, end quote. A cry for help would be received too late, and answers to what happened would take agonizing hours to reach loved ones distraught with concern. This is the story of Ashley Wadesworth, a tragic, fatal love story laced with obsession, violence, and control. A story of a beautiful girl's life that ended much too soon. I'm Stephanie Marm, and this is Wicked Ever After. Since this also goes on YouTube, there's a lot of words I cannot say, such as sexual assault, sexual abuse, rape. So in those moments, you might hear me on the podcast say S-A. So I just wanted to give a heads up that as you're listening, um, you might hear something a little bit different. And that's only because I want to be able to post this on YouTube. Trigger warning, because we are going to be talking about emotional and physical violence in intimate partner relationships. Please consider clicking the thumbs up button on this episode. Also, please subscribe to my YouTube channel or podcast, depending where you're listening. It really does help the algorithm when you like, subscribe, and share. And if you are listening to my podcast and you want to see all my reactions, like head over to YouTube. I'm a little bit more entertaining over there. And lastly, I have Invisalign, so if I mispronounce any words or I fumble during this video, I apologize in advance. But before I get started and talk about Ashley's story, I wanted to explain a few things about the sources I used for this case. I've heavily researched this story, and I did find conflicting accounts of what happened. I'm basing most of my story and this video on the documentary that was released in the UK called Social Media Murders. Much of it contains interviews with family, friends, Ashley's neighbors, and a detective. Also, there's an article written in the McLean's magazine that I also used as the source. So in case you find other videos or podcasts or whatever that has conflicting information, I wanted to explain why that might be and my process for researching this case. And if you want to watch the documentary, I will put in the description the link to the documentary so you can watch it. Ashley Wadesworth was born in Vernon, BC on July 25th, 2002. She was born to parents Ken Wadesworth and Christy Jandrome. She had one sister, Haley, but after her parents separated, she gained a stepsister, Crystal, and a stepbrother named Brandon. As a child, Ashley was described as the happiest child you'd ever meet, always bouncing into the room with a smile on her face. She was constantly exploring, laughing, and playing, and that passion for life never seemed to go away. Her sister Haley said she was bright, sociable, and a free spirit and that they had so much fun growing up together. When she got older, she played ringette, tennis, and the clarinet, taking advantage of trying various new things. She also loved the arts, skiing, swimming, skating, and all outdoor activities. It seemed she was always up for anything, especially when it involved traveling. Having grown up in the era of social media, it's no surprise that Ashley fell in love with all the different social media platforms and loved to make videos. Her social media was filled with her beautiful smile and contagious chuckle, and it was obvious her immense love for her friends and family. In 2015, when Ashley was around 12 years old, she became friends with a 16-year-old teenager from England named Jack Seppel. They had a mutual acquaintance and decided to connect. She quickly discovered that Jack lived in Clemsford, England, 
which is a city made up of about 180,000 people and lies northeast of London. Ashley and Jack became quick pen pals. After all, an entire ocean separated the two of them. However, over time, they started talking more, and Ashley began bringing him up in conversations with her family. Like most moms of a young daughter, Ashley's mom assumed the interest in Jack would fade, but to her surprise, the connection seemed to grow steadily from pen pals to friends to full-on crushes. Once things started to advance, the family got to know Jack better, often popping in on Ashley's FaceTime calls with him to say hi. Ashley's mom, Christy, said that he seemed like a really kind and nice boy. As time went on, Ashley started receiving gifts from him, like clothes, money, teddy bears, jewelry, and even a handbag. Her sister Haley thought it was odd that a guy that lived so far away was sending such a young girl gifts in the mail, but she kept that to herself. Jack and Ashley's relationship continued over the years, but it did seem to be more off and on. They would toggle back and forth between long periods of talking all the time and other periods where they didn't speak much at all, but that just seems how they operated. During those times, Jack had girlfriends and Ashley had boyfriends, all of them close to home. But it was probably when Ashley was 16 that according to Haley, Jack and Ashley's relationship seemed to turn more serious. Around this time, they started to occasionally argue. The topic most of the time? Jack seemed to have a lot of fear that Ashley had other crushes on teen boys in her hometown. While they typically resolved their arguments, there were definitely times that the conflict bubbled over too much, so Ashley blocked Jack online. However, Jack would respond by creating new accounts in order to connect with her, and he would send angry messages to her friends. It seemed to some of those friends that Jack's fondness for Ashley was turning into an obsession. But Ashley was quick to squash that line of thinking, insisting that he was just a very passionate person with a good heart, not someone who was controlling. In October of 2018, Jack was 20 and Ashley was 16. Jack got a tattoo of Ashley's name in cursive on his arm. Ashley's mom thought the gesture was an extreme way of showing affection for someone and told her daughter there is no way that she was getting a tattoo. Ashley simply responded with, quote, Mom, I would never. Ashley adored Jack and often came to his defense. But in reality, she had a great life offline as well. She was often camping and hiking with friends and took part in muddy off-roading adventures with her one friend, Tiana. And she documented it all on social media, of course. You'd find her on Snapchat, posting videos and pictures with funny filters, and you'd have her dancing along to the radio in her car. But it seemed when the parties and adventures were over and she was back home, the conflicts with Jack would continue. And in my opinion, the red flags got more and more obvious. Ashley began hiding parts of her relationship with Jack from her parents and her family but she would confide in some of her friends about the issues she was having. After Jack got the tattoo of her name, while they were having an argument, Jack dragged a knife across his tattoo of her name. Jack was still very jealous at the idea that Ashley might be seeing boys, despite the fact that he was also seeing other women in his hometown. I really do wish that Ashley had seen this as a major red flag, but... It's so hard when you're that young and Jack was manipulating the crap out of her. Around this same time, 
Ashley began asking her mom if she could visit Jack in England. The answer was always no. She was still a minor at the time. Her mother would say, quote, while you're living here and not an adult, there is no way you're going to England. If you're still talking as adults, I can't stop you from going, end quote. Despite her mom saying no, Ashley was still desperately wanting to go to England as soon as she could. So when she was legally able to work, she started clocking in the hours at part-time jobs, McDonald's, Burger King, Home Depot, and a clothing store. She saved as much money as she possibly could so she could go to England. In 2020, when Ashley was 18 years old, she began receiving calls from Jack's other girlfriends during fights with those other girls. That's so bizarre. They called Ashley because they knew that she was his favorite and they were hoping she would calm him down and help him with his emotional outbursts. Again, this is so fucking weird and odd. Ashley would tell Jack to stop acting crazy and perhaps it helped, but this is such a huge red flag. So what was really going on in England and who was this Jack character? So let's dive in. Jack didn't seem to have many close family ties or friends. But he did seem to be close to his mom, Tracy, as well as his sister, Nadia. But he was estranged from his brother and his father, who he had a strained relationship with, died in 2019. Jack has also been described as withdrawn, reclusive, not having much of a social life, and his biggest hobby seemed to be social media. Ashley liked Jack for his scrappy charm but it seemed that there were more secrets behind that illusion of charm. He regularly took anti-anxiety medication, which Ashley was aware of, and it seemed to play on her empathetic heart, making her feel compelled to help him and stick by his side. Jack had a history of self-harm, which Ashley was also aware of, but not to the extent we're about to discuss. Whenever he got angry or wanted a girlfriend to console him, he'd cut himself Deeply enough to bleed, but never enough to seriously injure himself. But it didn't stop at the attention-seeking self-harm. Jack also had a long history of violence and controlling behavior against women, dating back as early as 2014, when he was around 16 years old. Jack met a 14-year-old girl online in 2014. He took naked photos of this girl without her permission. And when she broke up with him, he hacked into her Facebook account and posted the images for all to see. She immediately filed a restraining order. However, Jack was constantly in breach of that order and continued to contact her. He even sent her messages like, quote, please reply, you're never going to get rid of me, even if I have to go to prison over you. I'll see you soon and I will turn up wherever you live, end quote. Yeah, this guy sounds like a super charmer. Thankfully, the behavior did end up resulting in a detention sentence. A month later, he pleaded guilty to trying to break into a supported living facility for reasons unknown and received a 21-day sentence. That same year, Jack got into an argument with his mother about his Xbox and shoved her to the floor before tearing a door off its hinges. It's unclear if any charges were filed for that. In July of 2018, Jack's mom called an ambulance after Jack cut his arm. However, Jack was angry that she had called the paramedics and again did damage to a door in her home. For that instance, he was sentenced to eight weeks in a youth offenders institution and a restraining order was filed by the court on his mother's behalf. Two years later, in March of 2020, Jack met a woman on Facebook. 
They moved in together quickly, but she said she soon found him to be jealous and unpredictable. When she tried to break up with him, he put his hand around her throat and locked her inside the house. She ended up escaping through a window, but he immediately started to bombard her with messages and phone calls. She didn't end up pressing any charges. I wish she would have. On another occasion, he locked a different woman inside his home. He ended up being charged with false imprisonment, common assault, and controlling behavior for this crime. However, the victim didn't end up attending trial, so Jack couldn't be convicted for this crime since there was no hearing evidence. The judge did issue a non-conviction restraining order. This would make the third restraining order against him. Unbothered, Jack went on to send another girlfriend threatening messages. One was a photo where he was holding a knife to his throat while there was blood dripping from a shallow cut he had made. The text read, quote, I am sad, end quote. The ex-girlfriend said that during their relationship, Jack often wondered what it'd be like to kill someone. She said, quote, he could be lovely, but he smashed two of my phones and once threatened me with a knife, end quote. With this continued pattern, Jack began to be a well-known name to the Essex police, eventually racking up eight convictions for 12 offenses that nearly were all for domestic violence. One judge stated that it shows, quote, a clear pattern of violent and controlling behavior for a number of women, end quote. While Jack was in and out of court for his crimes, Ashley graduated high school as an honor roll student and decided to take a gap year to figure out what she wanted to do with her life before jumping into university. She knew she didn't want to stay in Vernon, feeling it was too slow and too small for her. She wanted the bigger city, the hustle and bustle, and to try new things. During the gap year, Ashley became more and more absorbed in the Mormon faith and was baptized Mormon at the age of 18 in April of 2021. Her family was not particularly religious, but they supported Ashley in her decision. Ashley was also described by fellow churchgoers as, quote, women of great faith, end quote. Despite joining a new church and trying to figure her life out, Ashley still really wanted to go to England to see Jack. She was now an adult, and her parents could no longer stop her from making the trip. She had been saving her money for years and finally had enough to make the trip. Neither parent was thrilled about her going to England, but Ashley told her dad, quote, I'm going and you can either be with me or against me, end quote. Of course, despite having reservation, he chose to be with her and support her in her decision. Ashley's excitement for her trip was visible, but Ashley's mom still worried and she decided to look Jack up online to see if there was anything shady about him. However, after scouring the internet for dirt, she didn't find anything that raised any alarm bells. She ended up assuming that Jack would be honest with Ashley, but of course, he had been hiding a lot of stuff from her. Eight months before Ashley left home, Jack had sent her a 26-second voice message, furious, because he knew her friend Tiana had been saying she didn't like him. In the clip, he was screaming, ranting, and making noises that appeared to be like growls. He is screaming about Tiana, quote, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to fucking murder her, end quote. Despite the multiple red flags and her crazy relationship, in my opinion, she still packed up her bags, ready to go. Her dad took her to the airport, hugged her goodbye. And as he watched her head towards security, that was the last time he saw her alive. I really wish she would have seen these red flags or this particular one and not gone to England. 
Ashley arrived in Clemsford, England in November 2021 with a six-month tourist visa. On November 12, 2021, she changed her Facebook location to move to Clemsford. Everything seemed to be going really well. Ashley appeared to be having a great time touring the country and recording all of her memories on her social media platforms. There were numerous pictures and videos for smiling near tourist sites and at cafes. When she'd FaceTime with her family, they would all witness a smiling and happy Ashley as well as Jack. The two settled into his home together, even getting a kitten called Winston. They went for walks and explored the city and Ashley even met Jack's family. It seemed like there were times when Jack would be very loving and warming as he would give her a lot of compliments and was always up for a selfie. But his darker side lingered where he would also display an intense temper and be very volatile. During this time, Jack was not working and was on social assistance. He was also receiving financial help from his mom, Ashley, who couldn't work because she was on a tourist visa. So it wasn't long after she arrived that they spent most of their time in Jack's house in a public housing complex in Northwest Clemsford. Gone were the cafes and sightseeing. And instead, Jack wanted to spend his day playing Xbox and smoking weed, the polar opposite of what Ashley's adventurous spirit craved. That sounds really boring. The more time they spent huddled indoors, the more red flags started to surface. Jack didn't want Ashley speaking to anyone, not even their neighbors. Ashley was still a part of the Mormon church, and before she left for England, a friend had connected her with some American missionaries that were around her age in Clumsford. Ashley made plans to meet up with her new friends, but Jack disapproved of this, and he had forbidden her to go to Sunday service. So many red flags. So many. Ashley was starting to be lonely at this point and was likely very bored watching her boyfriend play video games all day. So taking matters into her own hands, she started secretly texting her missionary connections, hoping to make friends that way. However, to keep Jack from finding out that she was messaging her friends, she got into the habit of deleting her WhatsApp history, knowing he was spying on her phone. Like this guy, man, like get a hobby or something. Her friends started to think and observe how controlling Jack was when he was forbidding her from going on a road trip with them, but Ashley was quick to excuse him, quote, I just want to make him happy, end quote. Eventually and sadly, like most of these relationships, the physical violence against Ashley began. Jack's mom received text messages from him where he said that he had smacked Ashley because he found out she blocked two British numbers on her phone a few years previously, and he assumed they were numbers of other men. His mother responded with, quote, that's no reason to lay a hand on her, end quote. Jack replied, quote, she's the only person I've ever truly loved, but I'm ruining it and it's killing me inside, end quote. No kidding, buddy. You just smacked her and you're spying on her and looking at her phone. Yeah, you are definitely ruining it. Deleting WhatsApp messages wasn't the only precaution Ashley was taking. She also had a secret folder on Snapchat to document her bruises. Some videos showed big bruises on her legs, forearms, biceps, and neck, showing just how violent Jack had gotten with her. But Jack's manipulation and control ran deep. Despite the physical bruises and violence, Ashley changed her profile photo to a picture of Jack with his arm around her smiling. She captioned it, quote, my bestie, with a red heart. Meanwhile, back home in British Columbia, Ashley's sister Haley had an idea of what was happening and wanted to tell her parents, but Ashley said she would stop talking to her if she told them anything. 
During the Christmas holidays, Jack was hospitalized for what appeared to be an overdose. He had taken a bunch of pills in an attempt to unalive himself, and Ashley was the one who had called the paramedics. It's unclear, but this also seems to follow his pattern of attempted unalivings in order to manipulate and keep Ashley around. Haley agreed, describing his behavior as a sick game. When Jack was released from the hospital, Haley really started to notice from her frequent conversations with Ashley that Jack was even more controlling. One of Ashley's friends, Tiana, even received a message from Ashley that said, quote, be careful what you say he is watching, end quote. Once Tiana had seen the message, Ashley unsent it so Jack would never know. It was later learned that Jack had all of her passwords and would frequently check on her social media activity, oftentimes getting irate at old messages she had sent to other guys when she still lived at home. During a FaceTime call between Haley and Ashley, Ashley once told her sister, quote, shh, don't speak like that. He's getting mad, end quote. This pattern continued into January 2022. Ashley was FaceTiming her sister yet again, but this time Jack had hit her over the head with a glass cup. Haley could see Ashley crying as Jake made her clean up the mess. She also saw Jack pacing back and forth, screaming and clenching his teeth. She begged her sister to fly home, but Ashley didn't want to. Ashley remained a private person, and she didn't want Haley telling her mom or dad about the violence. She didn't want them to worry. But her parents weren't naive and were hearing less and less from Ashley, and her mom felt that things were not going well. But she didn't want to be intrusive, so she tried not to ask too many questions. She sent messages like, quote, call me anytime. If things aren't going well, you're always welcome back home, end quote. Her dad felt the same way. Every time they chatted, the conversations got shorter and shorter, like she needed to get off the phone. About a week later, Haley and Ashley were on FaceTime. And Haley saw Jack throwing objects at Ashley. At this point, Haley had had enough and told Ashley she was telling their mom what was happening. And so she did. Her mom was surprised and she also suspected something horrible had been happening. But when she brought it up with Ashley, she kept saying, quote, I'm fine, end quote, in response. Haley continued to beg Ashley to come home for weeks she sent her messages and Ashley kept saying, quote, I don't know if I want to come home. I want to stay and try to work things out, end quote. Haley was super frustrated because she knew that this man was manipulating her sister. It was textbook abuse. Jack controlled Ashley, accusing her of disloyalty, assaulting her, and then apologizing for his actions. And he probably said something like, I will never do it again, manipulating her into thinking he loved her and the cycle would repeat. Haley's fears and frustrations continue to rise when on another FaceTime call, Jack hit Ashley and threw a candle and a television remote at her. She again begged Ashley to come home. At this point, Ashley knew she needed to come home and agreed, but later decided she wanted to stay after all. She believed deep down he was a good person. She thought she could change him and that his medication would help and her love would heal him. But that wasn't the case as the cycle of violence continued. On January 29th, 2022, Jack sent his mom a text message that said, quote, Ashley should go home, end quote. His mom replied, quote, running away is not the answer. Relationships are hard work and it takes effort, 
patience, and love to stay together. But if you want her to go, I understand, end quote. It's unclear why his mom encouraged him to stay with Ashley, since she knew about the violence. Perhaps because she was also a victim of his physical violence, she was trying not to provoke him with her response to protect herself. It's really, really hard to know why she was thinking that way. A few days later, on the morning of February 1st, 2022, Ashley and Jack's neighbor, Helen, could hear screaming through the shared walls. Around 8.30 a.m., which would have been about 12.30 a.m. in British Columbia, so the middle of the night, Ashley arrived at Helen's banging on the door. Helen opened her door to find Ashley barefoot with a cut on her hand. She was crying and her phone had been smashed to pieces, so she had no way of calling anyone. She told Helen that Jack had beat her up and thrown their kitten, Winston, against the wall and that she also thought Jack would kill her. Helen insisted they call the police, but Ashley begged her not to. Torn between wanting to do what Ashley asked and trying to keep her safe, Helen asked Ashley to come with her to her doctor's appointment, perhaps an attempt to get her away from Jack. Now, this is where some of the confusion began in my research, so I will report on this to the very best of my ability and what I think are accurate findings. According to the documentary, Social Media Murders, The Murder of Ashley Wadesworth, Haley received a call from Helen's phone and it was Ashley. Other reports said that she had called from Jack's phone. So that part is slightly unclear to me, but either way, Ashley told her what had happened and Haley immediately begged her to come home. Quote, please come home, Ashley, end quote. Ashley finally saw that she needed to come back to British Columbia ASAP. Thank goodness. Haley told her mom what was happening, and her mother was obviously very scared. They immediately began to take action, and it was all hands on deck to get Ashley home. Grandma booked a flight for Ashley, but she had to take a COVID test before boarding the plane. It's unclear what the date of the flight was scheduled for. Some sources said it was like within the next couple of days. This is also where facts get a little confusing on what exactly happened, but Ashley calmed down shortly after speaking to Haley. Helen apparently spoke to Jack and said he had also calmed down. Jack apparently promised not to hurt her again if she returned home with him. He apologized to Ashley and even Helen. Helen was still feeling very uneasy and still wanted to call the police, but decided to respect Ashley's wishes and went to her appointment at 10.30 a.m. Ashley went back home in the house with Jack, satisfied with his apology. According to the McLean's article, Jack was going to take Ashley to get her pre-flight COVID test and take her to the airport. So this might be why she ended up not accompanying Helen to her appointment and instead stayed with Jack. At 11 a.m., so that's 3 a.m. in British Columbia, Ashley's friend Tiana received a text message from her stating, quote, please reply now, I need your help. Please go on my Facebook and find Sister Ashworth. Give her this number and tell her to contact me, I need help, end quote. Also stating in the McLean's article, from 11.22 a.m. to 12.38 p.m., which is about 3.22 a.m. to 4.38 a.m. in British Columbia, Ashley sent other panicked messages from Jake's phone to family and friends in Vernon, as well as to her church acquaintances. Quote, it's Ashley, I need your help. It's an emergency, please. End quote. She sent similar messages to others, including Jamie, a 20-year-old Mormon in Clemsford on a missionary trip. 
No one received any of these messages until hours later. The last time that Haley got a message from Ashley was at 11.30 a.m., which was 3.30 a.m. in British Columbia. What happened inside that house after that remains unclear. No one will ever know the truth, but I believe that he freaked out that she was leaving, so he killed her. Between 12.38 and 12.45 p.m., which was 4.38 a.m. to 4.45 a.m. in British Columbia, Jack's uncontrollable rage became too much and he strangled Ashley. He then went to the kitchen, selected an 11.5 centimeter knife and returned to the bedroom. He violently stabbed her in the chest. Not just once. No, one time wasn't enough to penetrate the red haze of his wrath. Instead, he stabbed her at least 90 times in the chest and stomach. Around 1.10 p.m., which was 5.10 a.m. in British Columbia, Helen was back from her appointment and she went over to Ashley's place to check in on her. She knocked on the door a few times. There was no answer. So she began shouting through the mailbox attached to the door. Jack yelled back they were in bed. Still feeling uneasy about the morning events, Helen still didn't call the police because before, Ashley insisted she not call the police, an action that she greatly regrets. When Haley woke up that morning, she started messaging Ashley She called Jack's phone about 19 times with no response. Her grandmother then went on to Facebook to find the Mormon church, which she did. The family found her friend Jamie and asked her to check in on Ashley. Jamie went with another friend to the home and knocked on the door. And this was around 3.59 p.m. and 7.59 a.m. in British Columbia. But there was no answer. She did report hearing muffling sounds. So at 4.01 p.m. and 8.01 a.m. in British Columbia, they called the police. This is the 911 call. Essex Police, what's your emergency? Hi, we, one of our friends um, has been texting us that she's been in a domestic, that like they've had some abuse in her home. Um, Okay, is this happening now, yeah? Yeah. What's your friend's name? Ashley Wadsworth. Her age? She's 19. Yeah, she's 19. 19 years of age. She's Canadian. Do you know Ashley's boyfriend's name? Jack. Have you heard things in the past about Ashley and Jack? Is this, is this, an on, is this like an ongoing, is it an abusive relationship in general? I don't know, it seems like it's always been kind of a dodgy relationship. We're on our way, by the way. Two officers, male and female, arrived quickly and began banging on the door. After their knocks went unanswered and several verbal warnings were given to open up, police kicked in the door. When police entered the home, the bedroom was directly to the right. So they saw Jack beside Ashley. There was a large quantity of blood. The officers reported that it was a truly gruesome scene. Despite the carnage in the room, Jack was casually using his phone and talking to his sister. While one officer gave Ashley aid, the other demanded Jack get up, asking, quote, what have you done, end quote. Jack replied chillingly, quote, I went psychotic, I'm sorry, end quote. The officer asked for clarification of what he meant. Jack said, quote, I strangled her and I stabbed her, end quote. Later, he would claim that he had murdered her two to three hours before police arrived. 
An entire team of paramedics laid Ashley's body out on the front lawn and tried tirelessly to save her, but she had suffered too many wounds to her heart, liver, lungs, and stomach, and sadly, there was nothing else that they could do. Underneath the blood, they also noticed bruises on her face, neck, arms, and legs, a physical roadmap telling a story of what she had endured over the past three months. While paramedics were announcing the time of death, Ashley's family was frantically waiting to hear news about Ashley, unsure of what was happening. Ashley's mom said that she felt something had gone wrong, but thought maybe she was overreacting. Helen, meanwhile, said the scene was pure chaos. She said the entire time they were trying to save her on the lawn, and she was screaming, quote, Oh my God, he fucking stabbed her. He fucking killed her, end quote. Helen called Haley and told her that Ashley had been stabbed. Quote, I think she is dead, end quote, Helen said. It wasn't too much longer that Ashley's mom received the call from the police. Quote, we believe we have your daughter here and she is deceased. We have the perpetrator in custody, end quote. Ashley's mom crumbled. That feeling she had been feeling turns out it was right. Something horrible had happened to Ashley. As the investigation began, police immediately discovered that around the time of the murder, Jake had updated his Facebook profile with a picture of him and Ashley with the term, quote, mine forever. He had just murdered his girlfriend and his first thought was to update his profile picture? Seriously? So gross and it shows just how narcissistic he truly is. Police also discovered a recorded video message meant for Haley that he had never sent. Breathing heavily, Ashley's body visible in the frame, he said he loved her and was sorry. Quote, couldn't ever let you leave. My head was fucked. I'm so sorry, Haley, for taking your sister, end quote. Police believe that Jack didn't want Ashley to leave him, so he stabbed her to keep her, quote, his, end quote. Jack was interviewed by the police three times, but throughout the interviews, he answered all questions with no comment. He remained straight-faced and emotionless. While searching the home, they found the knife used in the horrific murder. It was behind the radiator in the bedroom, and it was stained with Ashley's blood. Analysis of the knife handle revealed that Jack's DNA was also present. According to the McLean's article, Jack wrote a statement on the front and back of a list of facility rules claiming he was high during the murder. It also read in part that, quote, I stabbed the life out of her to prove I fucking own her, end quote. What in the actual fuck? Oh my God, this poor, poor girl. What she endured. Toxicology reports found only cannabis and a therapeutic dose of his anti-anxiety medication in his system. It was clear to everyone, including investigators, that Jack suffered from severe mental health issues. Still, a psychiatric assessment did determine him fit to plead and stand trial for Ashley's murder. The psychiatrist believed his mental health did not diminish his responsibility to understand what he did on that day. In September 2022, Jack pleaded guilty to the charge of murder. On October 10th, 2022, Jack was sentenced to life in prison. He has to wait 23 and a half years before being considered for parole, but the judge did brand Jack as, quote, a dangerous individual whose actions were horrifying, end quote. 
Jack again showed no emotion during this hearing. An interesting comparison to the vengeful emotion he showed on the day he brutally murdered Ashley. Jack wrote a letter to Ashley's family, and this is what it said. To Ashley's family, but especially her mother, Christy, and sister Haley, who I know have and will always be deeply affected by Ashley's death. I know that no matter what I wrote, too, there is nothing I can say that can bring Ashley back, nor can I make your pain go away. I'm very sorry for what I did, and I regret my actions that led to taking Ashley's life. You have known of my mental health as I was open to Ashley about this and how it affected my thinking. And while other people may not believe me, my mental health had deteriorated rapidly, and it's no excuse, but I know my intrusive thoughts have a big effect on my thinking and my actions. I just want to tell you I am so, so sorry. Jack Seppel. I would take that paper and like crumple it up and burn it. Ashley's family is left to pick up the pieces of their broken hearts, hearts that will never be fully repaired. Ashley's mom regrets not digging deeper into Jack before she let Ashley board that plane. She also wished she had known about Claire's law. It's a law that designates several ways for police officers to disclose a person's history of abuse to those who may be at risk from such behavior. It is intended to reduce intimate partner violence. Claire's Law is named after Claire Wood, a woman who was murdered in England by a former domestic partner who police knew to be dangerous. Claire's Law has two main elements, right to ask, which allows members of the public, including a domestic partner, to request information from the police about a potential abuser, and a right to know, which in certain circumstances permits police to disclose such information to the public on their own initiative. If the family had known and had the information been disclosed, they would have done everything they could to stop her from going. But hindsight is 2020. And now Ashley's mom just hopes that her daughter's death can save the life of another person facing intimate partner violence. She suggested that someone in this situation make a code word with a family member or friend, know all the emergency numbers if traveling overseas, and to do a background check using Claire's Law to see if a person who may be a romantic partner have a history of violence. So she says, do your research because it might just save your life. Also, it's worth noting that it's easy to read Ashley's story and see all the red flags. But often, people, especially women in intimate, violent relationships, don't see the red flags right away. And when they do, they're often in so deep that they can't leave. As someone who has worked with women in intimate partner violent relationships for many years, I've seen these women want to fix the relationship because they're made to believe it's all their fault. It's a vicious cycle. It often takes women on average seven times to finally leave for good. And if women don't leave, they often end up dead when they do try to get out. Statistically, that is the most dangerous time in a violent relationship. So we often see endings like Ashley's. Intimate partner violence aims to gain and then maintain power in the relationship. Of course, this dynamic does not happen overnight. Intimate partner violence tends to develop gradually and increase over time, but it's very complex and we should be slow in our judgment on these cases. Tributes for Ashley poured in all over social media. A friend posted, quote, 
Ashley was a ball of energy. She used to have a Facebook account where she posted jokes and memes all day, every single day. She was really funny, always laughing and excited. She always said what was on her mind, never a dull moment, end quote. Her aunt wrote, quote, Ashley was a beautiful young lady and full of love and kindness for all in her life. This was a trip of a lifetime. Nothing of this makes any sense. Her family is heartbroken and struggles to understand, end quote. Her friend Tiana described Ashley as her best friend, saying, quote, I'm sorry there wasn't more I or anyone else could do to help you, but God has you in his hands now. We have you in our hearts forever, end quote. Ashley's mom said, quote, I call her a modern day hippie. Honestly, she was. She just loved to love people, loved to help people. She loved life and she lived life to the fullest. I would say to her, clean your room. She said, mom, this is not important. I know you think it is. She has been living like she was going to die for real. She's everything I wasn't. She's outgoing. She was the backbone of the three of us. I was a single mom. She was always the strongest one. She was fiercely loyal. She was the glue that kept everyone together. She loved holiday planning. Haley is getting married now. She would have been planning it. She was so outgoing, end quote. As for Haley, she is still struggling to come to terms with her sister's death and how she tried to convince her to come home. In her memory, she wrote, quote, my beautiful sister, you are so amazing. Your belief in God was so beautiful. I am so happy we were close and grew up together and spent almost every day of our lives together. I don't think I ever went a day without talking to you. I love you so much. I'll never stop missing you. I keep seeing you and I know you're here watching out for me, end quote. In the documentary, Ashley's mom is seen visiting Ashley's grave, still raw with grief. But as she wipes away the tears that hold so much pain and regret, she says, quote, her memory will never leave any of us and we will always be able to hold her close to our hearts. We will hold you in our hearts until we can hold you in heaven, end quote. If you feel you're in danger or need help, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 in the United States. In Canada, there are separate crisis lines for every province, and I will list each phone number in the description. Let me know your thoughts and opinions on this case in the comments. Please hit the subscribe button on YouTube or whatever podcast platform you're listening on. You can stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at this is Stephanie Morham. You can also share your case suggestions with me by email at steph at stephaniemorham.co or send me a DM on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to Ashley Wadeworth's story. Until next time, stay safe out there.